each time we make a choice to face our shadow instead of ignore our shadow we follow Jesus to the to the cross each time we choose to face instead of ignore our shadow we follow Jesus to the cross we have shadows they lurk as much as we have been renewed made new there is a shadow we have a shadow and we have to face it in Luke 18 Jesus told the story verse 9 to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else Jesus told this parable it's interesting, C.S. Lewis says, as long as you are looking down on someone, you can't see what's above you. Two men went to the temple to pray. One, a pastor, a Pharisee, and the other, a car parking attendant, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, said Jesus, that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that when we come to you, that when we bring our shadows to you, that when we bring our brokenness to you, that you justify us. Oh, Lord, that you would justify us this morning. Lord, would you, would you do a work in us this morning? Would you do a deepening in us this morning, would you continue to cut away the things that aren't of you and help us to become more like you? Lord, I pray that whatever words this morning that are of you, would they land? Would they stick? But Lord, anything that isn't of you, would it be forgotten? Amen. I've never felt more alive than in 2003. Brought up in a Christian home, wonderful parents. Went away to Otago University, slowly but surely drifted away from what faith I had 
and found myself living a life far from God. But in 2003, God turned up in a really powerful way. He reordered my life. He resorted my interior part of who I was. He, he cleaned up my speaking. He, he sharpened my conscience. He humbled me. And it felt good. It felt really, really good. However, even though I had come to Jesus and been justified, there was still a shadow lurking. There were still parts of me that brought death and were death and weren't of God. There were habits, there were ways of thinking that still kept tripping me up. In 2006, I got married and I realized just how much I was still being tripped up. Anytime you get married, not that you want to do it more than once, <laughs> anytime you get married, <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, you realize just how imperfect you really are. The, the shadow becomes more obvious. And I remember knowing and being even more conscious and aware of the shadow in myself and in, in our marriage that there was just parts of me that I knew weren't of God in, in the marriage that, that couldn't stay there, a, a shadow that just keep lurking. And I, I remember uh, once I was, I was at the gym and, uh, and, I, and I saw a woman and I looked at her how I shouldn't. I looked at her how I shouldn't. And then I left the gym and that woman stayed in my mind. The image of the woman, I went to places in my mind that I shouldn't have, and it, and it began to drag me down. It, it, it began to affect every part of my life. I began to feel guilt, I was ashamed. There was, just, there was a, lot, a whole lot of things about that process of thinking that were incredibly unhelpful to my marriage and to my soul. And even though here I was living this life of following Christ and being an upward standing citizen, there was this shadow lurking. And in this particular instance, a real shadow lurking that began to drag this part of my life down. And there was, and there was a lot of power in it, and I, and I can't begin to express fully what it was doing to me other than I knew that I needed to do something about it, but I didn't want to do anything about it because I wanted to hide it. I wanted to hide my shadow. I wanted to present myself a certain way to keep my image a certain way, and to not do that with the shadow would mean that that would affect the other. I knew what I needed to do. I went to Kirsten and I confessed. I said, honey, this is what's been going on for me. And she's secure enough, whole enough to know that that wasn't about her. That was about me. And she saw me, she listened, and she prayed for me. And I was broken. 
broken. I instantly experienced grace, cleanliness. Whatever had a hold of me was broken. And it was powerful. Even though I had been justified, paid in full, as John I just talked about, every sin paid in full, in order to find progress from this, it required me to do something about it. I had to face my shadow. Why do we all continually hide our shadows? What is in us that continues to keep the parts of us that we don't think are okay or we know that aren't okay? Why do we keep them hidden in the background? What is it that is in us? What is in it that stops us from letting other people know about our shadows? In Genesis 3, verse 6, the beginning of creation, there's a man and a woman in the garden. And in verse 6, it says, When the woman saw, the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. Don't read into what I just said. (laughs) We're not blaming anyone here. (laughs) Maybe just a little. (laughs) I digress. The woman. And pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid, they hid. They hid, they hid, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Which is interesting because he's God and he knows where they are. And he's asking us that today. Where are you? He knows where you are. He knows where we are. But he's asking us, where are you? What are you hiding? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. I was afraid. I was naked. So I hid. Here's what our shadow does. Our shadow puts ourselves at the center of the story instead of putting God at the center of the story. When we hide our shadows, when we hide the stuff that we're ashamed about, when we hide that stuff, it puts us at the center of the story instead of allowing God to come into the center of our story. Refusing to face our shadow is like what, a, what paper cuts, a thousand paper cuts, is to death. In the, 90, in the, in the 900s, there was, a, there was a culture that used to... Now, what is, what is that meaning, a death by a thousand paper cuts? There was a culture 
that used to torture people by cutting them until they, with little cuts until they eventually bled out. It was a form of torture. Refusing to face our shadows is like lots and lots of little paper cuts to the point that we eventually bleed out. It's like facing our shadows is like a bird. Birds preen their wings. They preen their wings. They, they preen their wings by one, making sure all of their feathers are in alignment. They have a, a, a duct which enables them to put oil over their feathers so they're waterproof. But when they preen their feathers, they also stop them from uh, disease and insects affecting their feathers so that they can fly. Facing our shadows is like what preening is to a bird, and it stops us from dying by a thousand paper cuts. When we, when we hide our shadow, we stop the fullness of God's potential fully being released in us. When we, when we hide our shadow, when we, when we keep it away because of shame or pride or whatever it is or fail to recognize it or ignore it, the fullness of what God has for us is not actually available because it, it handbreaks us, it hamstrings us from living the way that he fully has purposed us. We all have a shadow and our shadow is sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The other part about when we hide our shadow is that it's like when we talk down our sin, then we end up talking down God's grace on our lives. When we, when we minimize our shadow or minimize sin, when we, when we make it small, we minimize God's glory. We minimize God's grace on our lives. What I think part of the problem is, is, is in relation to our shadows, is that we're often far too distracted or busy or under pressure or too full with the things of life to, to take the time to truly deal with our shadow. I think what also happens is that because we're so busy and distracted, it's like you know on the update on your computer or your phone? It says, would you like to update now or later? I'm a later guy. <laughs> I don't have time to update now. But you pay the price for that later because you run out of iCloud storage. <laughs> but it's a bit like that. Like unless we deal to the shadow on the regular, get an update, it can end up costing us Later, my very first week of pastoring uh, here at Curate, uh, I was in the office, and I was the only one in the office. We were a staff of four, and everyone else was out. And there were a couple that walked into the office, and they said, hey, uh, we really need to talk to a pastor. And he wasn't here. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, 
on what you got. And so they, they walked down, and as I started to hear their story, they were very agitated. There was something very, very wrong. They were in a relationship. He was a pilot. She was a stewardess, flight attendant. <laughs> this woman was not his wife. And he was having an affair. This, this woman, not only was she not his wife, but she was at the point of committing suicide. Because he had decided that he knew that what he was doing was not right. Brought up in a Christian home, had a faith. But slowly but surely, through a thousand paper cuts, had drifted into a situation where he was doing damage not only to himself and his family, his wife and his precious little children, but to this young woman as well. His shadow had caused him to arrive in a place that he had absolutely no intention of arriving at. And now he was on fire. And he did not know where to turn. It was a thousand little decisions that brought him to this place, ignoring, dis ignoring his shadow, not confessing, not actually getting real about what was going on with him, resulted in this. And we see it all the time, don't we? Pastors that fall, moral men, good men, good, good women that fall, that make immoral decisions, they don't just arrive there in a moment, they arrive there over many, many thousands and thousands of little decisions. There's a lot at stake. That finished well for that, for that guy. Stuck with him, stayed in contact. She met Jesus, got her life sorted. He got his marriage back. Powerful story, powerful of God's grace. But I'll tell you what he did do. He stopped running from his shadow and he began to face his shadow and it brought incredible health to his wife, to his kids and to his own soul. If we're not facing our shadow, we can end up being dishonest in three core relationships. We end up being deceived in our relationship with God, with ourselves, and in those relationships which matter most to us. Unless we seek to break the negative patterns from perhaps our families of origin, from our cultures, from the way that we have been living, we will be forever hindered from fully following Jesus. So what do we need to do? Have a little drink of water. So what do we need to do? I think a big part of it is that a lot of our lives go unex unexamined. A lot of the time, we're so future-focused, we're so focused on what we need to do that we don't actually spend a lot of time 
reflecting or thinking about our past and how that is inadvertently affecting our, our futures. I think what, a lot of what happens is that we're so busy rushing through life that we can end up living a shallow, like spirituality, we can end up living a shallow, uh, we, we, live, we live shallow, we skim the top. But it's interesting because in Psalm 139 it says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Lord, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. Get that. You can never escape. He knows everything. But then in verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. He knows everything. He's aware of everything. And yet he's still waiting for an invitation for us to point out what is in our hearts. He already knows it, but he's waiting for an invitation. For me, that looks like having developed and developing a habit where I get away by myself in silence, in solitude, and I sit and I wait. And it can take 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But I have a lot of anxious thoughts. I have a lot of people I'm trying to impress. I have a lot of insecurity. I have a lot of fears. I have a lot of worries. I, I carry a low-level amount of guilt about perhaps the way I'm not being a great parent or perhaps the way I'm pastoring or treating someone. I, I, I carry a lot. Of, I carry a lot. And unless I sit in silence and solitude, I can just end up full of myself. But it's almost like breaking the sound barrier. Like you, you, you end up breaking through something, but you just need to sit there for long enough. And then he can start to talk to you about all those things that perhaps have been tripping us up or the shadow that's been holding us back. There's, 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 there's great power in allowing God to sit with us and examine us and check our motives and humble us, keep us grounded and centered. We've got to create space for that. It doesn't just happen. The second thing I'd say about facing our shadow is that If we don't already, we need to find a friend, not phone a friend, we could phone him as well, find a friend and be brutally honest. I was in my small group on Wednesday morning and we were talking about the state of our souls and just before we finished, I said, hey, do you guys believe in confession? They're like, yeah, 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 confession, yeah, confession's good, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, when was the last time you confessed? It's like a record player, like a scratch. It's like, oh, 
And, and it's interesting because there's great power when we stop and get with a friend or someone we trust and we get real and honest and brutally honest about what's really going on with us. I, the, the Catholic Church, for, for many centuries, and still do now, have a rhythm of confession. And it's there for a reason. And it's really powerful, and it continues to change the way that we operate so that we can fully experience the life He has for us. When was the last time you confessed? Is there anything even this morning you're like, man, I, I need to confess that. That's an alarm to confess. <laughs> That's right. I think it'll go either one of two ways. Either we're, we're, either we're brought to our knees or we'll get to our knees. And I think confession is one of the best forms of getting to our knees. And if you're wondering about who to confess to or what that person looks like, I'd say a couple of things. The first one is we need to confess to someone other than being trustworthy and all those other things and someone that, that loves us. They need to be someone who won't condemn us. They won't judge us. They won't, they won't be critical when we share. But by the same token, they won't condemn us. They won't condone us. They'll be able to hold those two things in balance where it's like, oh, hey, you know what? Yeah, that, that's fine. Me too. Yeah, we're all good, right? No, that, no, someone that actually, when you go to them, there's like a level of, whew, whew. <laughs> here I come before you, Lord, with this person to share what's really going on for me. James 5.16, an, an incredible scripture says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. So here's the thing. Vertically, forgiven, healed, that happens. But also he's made us to experience healing to experience wholeness, to experience transparency, to experience integration through confession. There's healing to be found in that. And I want to say this morning that if you don't have that, if you don't have that in your life, a regular rhythm of confessing to someone you know who has your best interests at heart, if you don't have that person, then you'll never become all that God has fully created you to become because he doesn't just made us for a relationship this way. He's made us for deep, healthy, horizontal relationship this way. I have a friend, Grant. He loves playing golf, but he also loves finding golf balls that are lost. He goes to the places that no one else wants to go. <laughs> Can't be bothered. 
and picks up all the balls that are dirty and lost and in the rough or in the bush, and he picks up heaps of them. He said, Hayden, it's so interesting. I, I get these golf balls, and I put them in a bucket, and then I pour in cleaning solution, this incredibly strong, powerful cleaning solution, and they come out white and clean as ever. I thought, wow, we're the golf ball. <laughs> we get hidden. We get hidden to strange places. <laughs> That's unhelpful. <laughs> we get lost. We get dirty. We get stuff gets sticks to us. But there's great power when we allow God to come and clean us. And when we come and allow others to also allow God to turn up and clean us through the power and process of confession. <laughs>